Hello, hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in because this is the Not The Top 20 podcast. This is our 1 to 24 predictions podcast for the 2021 season in League Two. We're going to be starting at 24th, working our way up to first. I think this is our fourth or fifth year of doing these and it's the most exciting part of every year, to be quite frank. This year, these podcasts are brought to you in association with EFL on Quest, which is the Saturday night EFL highlights show. And it's quite good timing, George, because you made your on-screen debut on EFL on Quest last night on their Carabao Cup highlights show. And to see you making your debut was a very proud moment. I wondered how that went for you, how you found it. Yeah, it was great. It was kind of surreal to be on a show that has obviously been a big part of my life uh, for the last few seasons, being a fan of a League One club. Um, but going on, you know, it's great that people in the media continue to support us and what we're doing and to be on with Colin Murray and an ex-England international and Stephen Warnock and talking about EFL football was was great. Hopefully I did did us justice. Um, I don't think I got up to your heady heights of your of your appearances but um no great to be um in association with them today and, and love working with them they're two seasons in now and the show is so slick and just does exactly what you want an efl highlights show to do uh, when they extended it to two hours so they could get an extra half an hour for league one and league two uh, that was exactly what was needed at a time where i don't think any show had really done justice to league one and league two in quite the same way so we're very proud to be a part of that but we're also kind of in awe of the team there Colin especially and some of the other regular pundits my my personal favourite Dean Ashton I know you worked with Stephen Warnock yesterday and you really enjoyed working with him as as well yeah I mean they were talking yesterday about how there are 60 odd shows this season Um, weekends midweeks Carabao Cup highlights as well so it's going to be on a lot and um, and it's just so easy to watch. People don't realise necessarily that it's it's on Freeview, it's on Quest. Um, you can watch it there, you can watch it on Dplay, which is an app. Um, so there's kind of no excuse not to get your filling of, uh, of EFL highlights and expert analysis as well. So it's on Freeview Channel 12, you'll find Quest, uh, Freesat 167. It's on Sky, of course, Channel 144 and Virgin 169. So I think the best thing you can do as you queue up these pods and as we get cracking uh, is to head to whatever you have and set EFL on Quest onto Series Link. It's on every Saturday at 9pm, just four hours after the final whistle. All the highlights of all the games and very much worth a watch. Of course, if you don't have a TV or if you're just busy on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings when they have a repeat, do what I did uh, this morning and just crack out the iPad or the tablet or the iPhone, whatever it is. You can download the Dplay app and watch the show from the night before. It goes on the app almost immediately and that's a very good option for the for the modern viewer I would say who can't always get to a TV you can still watch it on your phone on your iPad uh, whatever it is that you have available to you so these podcasts are brought to you in association with EFL on Quest and as well as the 1 to 24s we're going to be picking one team in each division that is going to be best on Quest so stay tuned for that little nugget as we go through uh, we're talking league 2 now George and what I want to know before we start off with our relegation teams in 24th and 23rd is any general thoughts you have on the division and how it's shaping up uh, based on on sort of the research that we've both been doing over the last few days and weeks. Yeah I I think last year looking at League Two um, we did pretty well Um, the teams who were up towards the top end of the table the teams who got promoted Plymouth, Swindon um, and Crewe automatically um, all featured pretty highly and, and it did feel like there was a, a clutch of you know, attacking minded managers who had teams at their disposal who could go and dominate and that isn't really the case this time um, we, we're told a lot about Ian Ever- uh, Bolton and his Barrow Salona side um, but we're yet to see it with our own eyes unless you know we me and you are yet to see it I think obviously National League fans have seen it for themselves um, and it just feels like maybe it's a more pragmatic top end of the division this season also that it Normally, you can kind of put a circle around two or three crisis clubs. Now, either because of what's happened with COVID, you could argue that basically every League Two club is on the brink of being a crisis club, or it just feels like it's less obvious which ones are kind of on the precipice, which ones could suddenly be looking in January like they could be facing a deduction and having to have a fire sale of players as well. So I'm not making excuses, but it feels a little bit less obvious to work out um, the top, the best teams and the worst. And maybe the trend this season won't be the high-pressing, attacking-minded, you know, high-scoring teams towards the top end of the table. It could be the pragmatic, 
experienced managers um, who know what they got from their squads who could be doing well. Slightly concerning because I agree with what you say there. And yet, League Two, out of the three divisions in the EFL, had the lowest uh, goal scoring rate last season as well. A lot of lot of teams playing three at the back or five at the back, as we saw. So hopefully that trend doesn't sort of get even worse and, and end up with even fewer goals. But you know, you talk about crisis clubs, and I agree with you. Uh, it's a little less obvious now. But uh, if you look at teams relegated from League Two in the last few years, it's been a bit of a feature of every season. A crisis club uh, or someone who is just not in good shape whatsoever off the field. Uh, tends to drop out of the league because of that. And I think that's probably where we are with our 24th place team. Uh, never a nice place to start, but you have to. Uh, we've got South End Now, now Southend didn't actually come bottom of League One technically last year because Bolton had that points deduction. But they were the worst team in the division by a significant margin. And we predicted them to come 24th again because I'm just really concerned about the way that this football club is trending. Uh, I perceive it to be a club in a state of, of chaos to be honest with you and I think crisis would be going a little too far based on what we've seen but certainly not a million miles away and and my concern is that they have hired Mark Mosley who in fairness comes with pretty good reviews from from Weymouth where he put together a really good side uh, in non-league but I think he comes into one of the toughest situations that a new and rookie manager could come into. Not only were they just the worst team, uh, certainly in the last few years, that we've seen in League One, who just could could not stop the op opposition from scoring goals, conceded 85 in 35 games. Um, but a, a large number of senior or players who, who were <laughs> more experienced have left the club, and you're left with a squad um, with so many young players, untried and untested. Southend have always talked about having quite an, a, an impressive academy. And we have seen the likes of Charlie Kelman come through a little over the last few years, who I've no doubt can be a key player for this team in League Two. My concern is when you've got a rookie manager and a team of really inexperienced players and a club that's trending in the wrong direction, I don't think that's giving them the platform necessarily to thrive and to develop. So... It's a, it's a young side of, of tried and untested players. The senior players that are still there for me are, you know, are, are not not enough, not impressive enough on paper for me to say, you know, they're going to put their foot down and and, and stop this rot. Uh, I think this South End side might be a bit all over the place, George. So that's why we've got them in twenty fourth because I know that you're in agreement with that. And look, it doesn't bring either of us any joy. But th this is a side that we, a club, as I should keep saying, a club that we think is just trending massively in the wrong direction. Yeah, and we've seen clubs coming down from League One in recent times struggle. Good clubs as well, teams that we thought would do well. Last season, also an example, Scunthorpe finished 20th um, under Paul Hurst. So it's not easy for even clubs who look like they're well set to, to compete at that level and with Southend so poor last season. It's hard to see them do um, much better. Uh, in 23rd, I've just mentioned them. Mm. Um, it is Scunthorpe, which might raise a few eyebrows. I think there's some positivity maybe at the club at the moment with Neil Cox well neither of these two sides are near the top of the relegation betting markets are no. they no um but it so just... in that sense it, you know these are maybe quite seemingly bold predictions but they're predictions that that we have put a lot of time into put it that way yeah and just when evaluating them as a club they finished 20th last season I'm pretty sure fans of the club will hope that was you know an aberration and something something that could be easily righted but they've appointed Neil Cox as manager um, I'm not going to say that is in any way a positive or a negative because we just don't know. I think we're going to be saying that a lot. There's so yeah. many rookie managers, internal appointments across League Two this season. Definitely. Makes um, it tough because we put a lot into the ma managers that we know. We tend to, you know, uh, transpose those opinions onto how we think their team might do. Generally, that works quite well for us. So rookie managers are our worst nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's got his work cut out because it feels like Scunthorpe are probably one of the clubs who um, wisely, I would say, have looked to cut costs pretty quickly due to the um, you know the climate, the financial climate at the moment. Um, looking at the players that have left the club, you've got experienced pros, people you'd think would be assets, even though they were part of an underperforming squad last season. Uh, McArdle, Burgess, Hamill and Perch all making way. And looking at the players coming in, it's effectively gambles from, from non-league, from Scotland and loanees from Premier League clubs who effectively playing their their first seasons in senior football now these for all we know could be masterstrokes they could be players that 
um, step up, but you're asking a lot of them to do so. And this club was very much on a, on a downward trajectory at the back end of last season. Um, the squad looked stronger at the beginning of the last campaign. I would argue they had a manager who, even though it didn't go well for him, um, at least had some pedigree and some experience to get behind here. So um, it's not positive news. Um, it feels like a squad built for sustainability rather than um, for an, any attempt for success this season. And and I personally think that Neil Cox, I'm sure fans will disagree, but I think if Cox can keep them above the relegation fight, then he'd have done a very, very good job in his first season in management. Well, he's been a popular appointment, despite the fact that he has uh, little to no experience as a as a number one, as a as a senior manager. He actually came through as a youth player at Scunthorpe and had a very good playing career. So he's a, he's Scunthorpe born and bred, and and he comes in at a time of huge reset, as you say. I think that's the only word for it. It's a massive reset, and you know, as you say, outgo a lot of experienced players who have been part of a poor side and income a, a huge group of players with little to no League 2 experience among them. There are a few players that I think individually have some quality. Uh, as we record, Abo Isa is still a Scunthorpe player. I believe he's quite highly sought after. Gilead on the wing as well. I, th- I think they've, they've got good wide options, but the depth is, is, is hard to find when you look at the squad, and I am very concerned about them, I think it's fair to say. In 22nd place, we've got Stevenage. Now, Stevenage... The worst team in League Two last year um, would have been relegated in in a normal scenario and situation, given a reprieve uh, due to Macclesfield's multiple <laughs> points deductions, which really was the most absurd saga. And for the most part, in these one to twenty fours, we're, we're we're not going to we're trying not to talk too much about the impact of COVID nineteen, which is significant. We're trying not to talk too much about governance issues in the EFL. So you know we won't go in depth about what happened with Stevenage and Macclesfield but it might be a surprise to see we've got them staying up and it also might sound very basic for me to say that first and foremost I just do not believe that they will be as bad as last season I'm very confident that they will have have focused a little bit more and they will feel such uh, relief and reprieve that they're playing in League 2 this season and I trust in Alex Ravel as untested as he is to focus the the club and the personality of some of the players. Uh, they've lost Farman, the goalkeeper, who I think would ordinarily be quite a big loss. They've got in a keeper called Cummings uh, on loan from Chelsea. As always with Chelsea loanees, comes very highly recommended. Also sort of making his bow in league football. There's a lot of very good goalkeepers who now represent England who took their first steps on loan in League Two. So the reports are good and, and we wait to see how he goes to replace Farman. Uh, I really like the signing of Prosser, the centre-back. Uh, he was a big part of Colchester's side last season, you know, a, a playoff side in, in League Two and Prosser part of a very good defence there. So I think that's an excellent signing and it's it's another big reset. I think of the 16 players that played the most minutes for, Scun- uh, for Stevenage last season, only four are still there. So it's another big reset. Clearly, I don't think they're going to be excellent, but I just think they're going to have enough to stay up. I think I'm right in saying that three of those four scored in the three-all draw um, in the Carabao yeah. Cup, which is quite fun. Well, well, I mean, some of the key guys, Charlie Carter, Elliot List, you're going The off. goal scorers. They're, 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 they're good players. They're yeah, good yeah. players, and they were part of a horrendous team. And I just think everything went so wrong last year and it felt quite odd didn't it because they had actually done very well the previous season and it was quite hard to explain what happened at Stevenage last year but they cycled through managers they used about 35 different players and I think just a little bit of stability and a bit of focus is going to be enough to to keep them up this season I do think they look quite short in the centre of the park as much as I do think Charlie Carter's a, a good player but yeah essentially what I'm saying is I think if the environment is decent Stevenage will, will stay up this yeah. season. And I think even though we've only got them 22nd, for anyone listening who sees them as a relegated team last year, it, it's basically, it's a different Stevenage. It's a Stevenage with the same manager and the same name of the club, but the players wholesale changes. So it's impossible to really align the two performances. The same can probably be said in a way for Barrow, um, who we have in 21st. Uh, I'm not going to try and bluff my way through an analysis of Barrow's starting lineup. I don't know much about them. They played the majority of their career in the National League and we didn't see much of them last season. But reading reports... You watched uh, them on the weekend and you were quite impressed. I watched them yesterday. I made. I went, got to Quest early um, yesterday for the 12 o'clock kickoff so I could see a full 90 minutes of them. Uh, and I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, for all we've been told about this, you know, passing style that Ian ever implemented at Barrow, David Dunn, the new manager who has some experience as a manager although he likes to kind of say that he doesn't because he says that the time he had at Oldham under that ownership structure 
um, didn't really feel like a proper management job. He was ta- he was caretaker at Blackpool for a couple of games last season and did okay. But this, I think he feels, is his first proper stab at it. And realistically, not going to be far away from his last chance because a failure here, he's going to struggle to get another EFL job. Um, and for such you know, a high-profile player, um, a former England international, um, it's a big job for him. But I was impressed yesterday. I mean, I think it's very important, and we're going to say this a couple of times, that we don't take 90 minutes in what were glorified friendlies in the Carabao Cup as being a basis upon which to base our predictions. But there was enough that I saw yesterday from Dunn's Barrow against the Derby side who played a pretty strong team with players who were destined for much, much higher things than this Derby side. And they kept them at bay and they created chances, not great chances, but chances all the same on the break. And they just looked pretty well organised and well drilled, um, which is much more than than can be said of a lot of these sides we're going to be talking about who had shocking starts. Um, we know that clubs who come up from the National League into League Two, at least for one season, are normally um, totally fine at this level. I think part of that is because in recent years you do have these crisis clubs who basically make it very hard to get relegated <laughs> from from League Two. Yeah, um, we're not, you know, we, we can't put them much higher than this because, as we say, with a new manager in charge, where there's a big question mark. Um, well, um, put it this way: the easy thing to do is to say that their National League success was down to Ian Everett, who came into the club as they were a, you know, quite a recent National League team who had never been much higher for, for 30, 40 years, who took them to 11th in his first season and then won the title in his second season. And the easy thing to say is it was all Ian Everett and he is now gone and they will now regress to being a, a National League team. You have convinced me, because I was leaning towards that, <laughs> you've convinced me not to think about it quite as as, yeah. as strongly as that because, you know, as you said... Yes, Ian Everett played an absolute blinder, but he's the, the club has developed alongside him. It was, it was it was Barrow that got promoted, not Ian Everett. You know that's the line. It was. I know there's been a churn of players, but it's the club that were promoted. And even though the managers left, and that might be a negative, you still have to give them credit for that and credit in the bank to be a side. You know, I'm sure that Barrow side that won the league convincingly last year in the National League would have finished much higher than 21st in last season's League Two. Um, so we are factoring in something of a regression here. Morecambe are the relegation favourites as they are every single year and as I think we have done every single year we don't think that they will get relegated. Probably more confident about Morecambe than I have been for a while and it's always a team that I've had a bit of a soft spot for just based on on the fact that they are always predicted to go down and they always punch above their weight. But I actually think with Derek Adams in charge they can start to, you know, put this tag of like League Two whipping boys behind them. Um, with, with Adams in charge after Jim Bentley left, they, you know, they were in quite a tough spot and, and Adams steered them to safety. You know, it wasn't at times glorious stuff, but it was good enough. And Adams is someone with good pedigree in this division. A lot of people surprised that he took that job. That's always a good sign for a club when you hire a manager and people wonder why he's gone there. Uh, and I, I feel like he can and will elevate this club. Um, that There is a chance it all goes very wrong because he has a personality that rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. He's not always been that popular within the game. And I dare say that, you know, it, with, with the wrong egos and the wrong characters in the boardroom, it could all explode. But it looks like he's been backed, to be honest. Quite often you look at Morecambe's transfer business and you realise how difficult it is for them with key players leaving and very little coming in the door. But I would suggest that they haven't lost much that was important to them last season. Tanner and Old and Alessandra and Cranston have left. But I think some of the guys they've brought in, especially Phillips on loan, who was there last year and was really impressive. He's back in. Uh, The fans are buzzing about that. The defensive pairing of, of Harry Davis and Sam Lavelle with Knight Percival backing them up as well. I just think it's very, very strong. And, you know, I'm sure that they will struggle to score goals because they always seem to. But the breakout star back end of last season was Carlos Mendes Gomez. Mm. Certainly the best name in League Two and someone that I'm really excited about, really looking out for uh, to, to provide them that spark in the final third. So for us, same as always with Morecambe, really pretty quietly confident that uh, especially with Derek Adams in charge, they will be safe uh, and down towards the bottom of the table, but but without any risk of them dropping into non-league. Uh, 19th, George, a, a team that I became quite fond of to, towards the back end of last <laughs> You've season. You've gone off them this morning, though. And I have gone off them a bit this morning. <laughs> uh, this is, when we do these podcasts, we have to kind of cram in about two minutes per team 
And as you can tell, this is, if this is your first time listening, we normally struggle to do that. So I'm going to make this one a quick one because it's pretty easy. It's Crawley. Um, I've written in my notes, uncut Yems, is he any good? Uh, that's one for the for the normal listeners. John Yems is their manager um, and he had a brilliant spell at the end of last season. He did a, a, an interview on social media um, after the game yesterday, which was pretty grim. So I don't know if we, if, don't know if he's a cut he's here He's clearly anymore. in horrendous nick at the moment. I don't know if he's angry <sighs> with the board. I don't know if he's angry with the players. I don't know if he was a- upset with the media guy asking him the questions, which he shouldn't have been because it was a club media guy. It's the and first they were, game of the season. They were very standard They haven't, they haven't had a match since March. <laughs> I didn't, I don't like his demeanour. And, it, you know, as much as it's kind of funny and very unusual, it, you know, it obviously isn't going to fill us with confidence we're, about this side. No, we're burning but, our Uncut Yems t-shirts, I think, this <laughs> afternoon. The, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a bit upset. They've lost their three best players from well, last season. I was the only thing I was going to mention is that there's, you know, Bezlabala leaving is is the headline, and I'm not necessarily sure that it's a massive loss. He had a really fast start to the season, scoring ridiculously eye-catching left-footed strikes from range. Um, I'm not convinced he's that good. I don't think he's a brilliant pickup for Blackpool. But having said that, there's not really much to go with in terms of, of who they brought in. I think they've probably got enough to be safe. Um, and again, in a league that's very hard to finish in the bottom two of, but I'm, I can't see any tangible reason why they would be any better than lower mid-table. Yeah, we've got Harrogate above them in 18th. Now, Harrogate won the National League playoffs. It's their first ever season at this level. We're certainly feeling positive that they will not be dragged into a relegation battle. Um, I think that it's a club that has developed so much over the last few years. And of course, that cannot and won't last forever. But from what I've seen of them, both in in that playoff final uh, and the playoff semi-final, uh, and also in their first Carabao Cup game, it, it's what what National League fans came to expect from Harrogate under Simon Weaver, the manager, is a team that is greater than the sum of its parts, who are really difficult to play against, not just because they defend well and defend resolutely, but also because they've got a few different ways of hurting you. We spoke to him on the Going Up, Going Down podcast last week. I really enjoyed listening to him to talk about uh, listening to him talking about the tactics of his team because he said look it's 4-4-2 and people think that's a bit of a throwback but we've got a, a number of different sort of variations of it and different personnel in different positions within that can very much change how it looks and how we play so um, he's quite a, a, a an impressive young manager I think based on the underlying numbers in the National League last year they were the best attacking team uh, in the National League last year, they've got this nice style and a real togetherness. It's, it's basically going to be that team from last season, minus minus Jack Diamond, who was a bit of a diamond for them. He goes back to Sunderland, where he was uh, his parent club. Uh, they've brought in a few players, Connor Kirby, especially from uh, from Sheffield Wednesday, a youngster. I'm quite excited to see how he goes. But I just think, kind of, uh, based on what we've said previously about some of the teams we've got finishing below them, with such a positive atmosphere uh, and and with recent good performances and success carried over from last season which for Harrogate only finished about four four or five weeks ago uh, I think they're going to be just fine in League 2 this year just above them George at Leighton Orient uh, they finished 17th last season and we've caught them 17th again this season it was a bit of a weird season last year wasn't it because they were back up from the National League they had to cope with the the, the grief and trauma of the passing of Justin Edinburgh who was such a talismanic figure at the club and Ross Embleton really did have such a difficult job trying to um, focus the minds of, of the playing squad. And I imagine that was very difficult at times, not only because he, he wasn't backed by the board in the sense that they hired someone else, didn't they? Carl Fletcher came in. Just a disastrous appointment that the club recognised that they'd made a mistake and that Fletcher was the wrong personality and the wrong fit, whatever that meant, after, after basically a month or so. Uh, and Embleton is now given the reins full time. The difficulty is we're not sure yet whether Embleton is is a capable uh, manager at this level. You know, at times last season, Leighton Orient were okay, but they also conceded a lot of goals. I think the joint fewest clean sheets in the league last season. And it's difficult to to see how they're going to get a lot better. They've got a few young players, a uh, young goal scorer, Sotiriu, who bagged a few towards the end of last season. He could end up being a, an excellent goal scorer at this level. Jordan Maguire drew, we like a lot, uh, in the final third as well. But they lost Ek Piteta, who's gone up uh, to League One. I think he's probably their best defender. So I'm slightly concerned that defensively they're going to score or they're going to concede quite a lot of goals. I'm not sure that the squad is actually that full of quality. So I don't see them improving on 17th last year. That's why we've got them in 17th again. That's Leighton Orient. Above them, 
the team that finished in 16th last year, we got them finishing 16th again, George. <laughs> yeah, Cambridge. Um, and this, I think, is the first one where I feel it m- might look a little bit silly because there, there is potential here. And I, and I, and I do agree with this because there's also obviously the scope for Cambridge to to dip given the players they've lost. George Maris has moved on. Paul Lewis has moved on. Sammy Carruthers uh, as well. So they've lost basically all of their ball playing midfielders there. Um, they have brought in Wes Houlihan, who we have no idea the impact <laughs> he could have. He's obviously been playing a lot of football out in Australia. So I think we can anticipate him to still be fairly effective, but whether he's got the legs, we're not entirely sure. Uh, Mark Bonner um, is an interesting coach. who It feels like this is the beginning of a, of a project rather than necessarily a, a bid for instant success. Um, he second youngest manager in the EFL, just younger than just just older than Russell Martin. How old is he? Thirty four. That's interesting. Um, he, I, I really like his interviews. I like the way he speaks. He seems like an intelligent coach. Um, it'd be unfair to say he got the job by accident, but I think he was certainly um, a placeholder whilst they looked for the main man. And the results they picked up with him at the helm meant that he got it. Uh, and the recruitment again has been interesting. Robbie Cundy made quite the impression on his debut yesterday both scoring the winning goal away at Birmingham and also apparently being very very solid at the back um, and he is and just that result you know that performance they played against the Karanka side they only conceded nine shots in the game two of which were on target um, it's, they're, they're just a bit of an unknown this is the first season we're seeing from a rookie coach who has you know we, we don't even know anything about him as a as, as a player we don't have any idea about who he was before he got the job um, so it's a bit of a sitting on the fence prediction here for, for, for Cambridge in 16th. I mean, the middle of League Two is always difficult because actually, you know, you might see us pick a team f- finishing 16th here and think that's a big difference between the team we predict finishing in 10th. The reality, I, I think, is that the teams we predict in mid-table, we don't think there's a huge amount between them at this point. You know, these aren't massive stances. If you look last season, in fact, Cambridge finished 16th with 45 points. Forest Green finished 10th on, on points per game. They only had 49. Salford uh, actually got one more, but had played a game more. So there were there were only five or so points between 10th and 16th. And so this group of teams we're about to talk about, we see as essentially being mid-table teams, even if 15th, 16th sounds a bit low. I'm kind of making excuses because I'm about to say that 15th, we've got Newport County. Um, and they're off the back of such an impressive result in the Carabao Cup. Uh, they beat Swansea 2-0, they looked really sharp, uh, they defended excellently, and they created chances. So uh, their fans will be feeling really, really positive after that. It's quite hard to know exactly where last season went so wrong, because we had quite high hopes for them after a playoff appearance in the 18-19 season. I just wonder whether they've lost a little bit of their of what made them special in those early Flynn years. And that it was almost like they were always battling against the odds and they were always playing out, you know, out of their skins and, and kind of above themselves in a way. Uh, and then they reached the point where they were a playoff team and then people expected a little bit more of them. And that's where they kind of found it quite difficult. They have got a few players that I really like. Uh, Josh Sheehan pulling the strings in midfield. He'll be one of the best players in the league this season. Um, they've lost Jamil Matt, who was a really important target man for them if not a prolific goal scorer so it kind of remains to be seen whether they're going to change style a little bit and go slightly less direct certainly some of their 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 additions in the transfer market someone like Janet on loan from uh, Bristol City scored a lot of goals in non-league with Torquay uh, Twine on loan from Swindon these are guys who are you know who have potential who, who who are spoken highly of but we haven't necessarily seen them do it um, at this level. Tristan Abrahams up top could be the one to score goals for them. Um, but I think we're predicting, you know, a mid-table side here in Newport who have some really impressive performances, but also in, in the same vein as last season, will have some days where they just find it really difficult to create uh, and just aren't quite as solid as they were in previous years. So Newport 15th uh, and a, a big faller, I'm afraid, from last season. We've got Colchester in 14th, George. They finished sixth last year. Yeah, one of the teams to make a change uh, managerially. Um, McGreal, John McGreal has, has made way for Steve Ball. Uh, I think Steve Ball, again, looks like a fairly cost-effective appointment, shall we say. Fourth consecutive internal appointment. Mm. It's a, you know, they've got a philosophy, it's fair to say. Yeah. Just, I don't think any of the previous save, ones have been particularly save, successful. Just save the pennies. Well, the problem. I think McGreal built something 
built a good side. I, th- I think there are parallels between Newport and Colchester here, even though they're very different sides with different philosophies. But just it felt like they had a team that could have got promoted. And then when they missed that, rather than building again, things have kind of fallen apart. And I know that last season they were in the playoffs. Um, and I know that they've managed to keep hold of Kwame Poku and Courtney Senior as it stands. And, you know, Giovanni Brown obviously had a shocking campaign last season, came in with such hype and, and ended up being on loan at Forest Green. Didn't score a goal in the whole season. Uh, he got his first Colchester goal yesterday, um, if that's worth anything. I don't think it is. But their squad looks unbelievably thin mm. at the moment. It's one of those, their starting 11 looks good. Exactly. And outside of that, you're like, whoa. And this season, you're, you know, teams are going to be playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday or Tuesday for a, a massive majority of weeks. And if you've got a thin squad, it doesn't matter if you don't get injuries. Your player is going to be knackered. You need to have enough, especially in defence and in midfield, you have to have enough rotation and enough bodies in order to keep it fresh. And at the moment, Colchester don't have that. Um, they made... The chairman's been very clear with how how pragmatic they're being financially. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you know this isn't this is not us saying like do more in the transfer market. No, mate. no, no. It's literally with sympathy we understand, but it's been tough because some of the players that left were senior players in that dressing room. Prosser I mentioned, yeah, uh, who signed for Stevenage, but Jackson the right back. Nuble as well, Comley, they've all moved on and they're all kind of important players for them. Yeah, I mean, the, the signing yesterday of, of, of Taylor Crossdale from Fulham uh, at least gives them a striker now um, because they didn't really have one on their books before that. And he is somebody who comes with a fair bit of, of hype, a fair bit of, you know, he's got he's an England youth international. I think Fulham fans hold him in pretty high regard. We're not here to judge him, I, I can't say. Um, you know, that's not the kind of signing which is going to see us button up a couple of places, but interesting to see how he, how he gets on. Um, but you know, this isn't us being negative on Colchester. It just feels like they've taken a stance on what's been going on at the moment. They've had a couple of near misses, and maybe this is a season to consolidate under a new manager and then kick on again, maybe down the line. In 13th, unlucky for some, it's Grimsby Town, who are also the best on Quest. The best on Quest! Hey! What does that mean? Well, this podcast, brought to you in association with EFL on Quest, the Saturday night EFL highlights show. We we had to pick a team for each division that for you listening, if you're a neutral fan, if you don't support a team in League Two, we need you to be watching the League Two highlights every Saturday night because there are always some magnificent games every week and we want you to have a team to follow, basically. And what do you want to see on a highlight show? Tons and tons of goals. We're picking Grimsby as the best on quest this year. And it's not just because their manager gives some of the most entertaining manager interviews uh, around, but it's because we think they will have the highest combined goals in their game. Uh, After Ian Holloway took charge of Grimsby uh, at the turn of the year, they played 15 games, 23 goals scored, 23 goals against, 46 goals in 15 games, more than three goals per game. And that record, if it continues, is going to be right up there. I think this is going to be the neutrals' favourite because under Holloway, Grimsby are going to play some swashbuckling stuff, I think. He's like, he is the epitome of the word swashbuckling, isn't it, Ian Holloway? Both as a person and just as a manager. His teams always play good attacking football. I'm a little concerned, which is why we've got them in 13th place, that they're not a fully formed team yet. I'm a little concerned that defensively they're going to be quite poor and that's why they're our best on quest we reckon that Grimsby are going to be the team that you just have to watch their games highlights each Saturday night on quest because you know they're going to have the most goals and also go on Bilal Moshni is back in the <laughs> EFL big Bilal if there's ever a box office Bilal do you want to go and see on a highlight show this is him because he you know, we'll remember him from his time at Southend where he scored a remarkable 18 goals in 62 games for, for Southend he then went on loan to Ipswich um, and he just loves getting in fights, kicking people, scoring thumping headers, getting red cards. Um, you know, he's somebody who is either suspended um, or he's uh, getting out of the insane goal scoring record for a centre-back, by the mm. way. I will be backing him first goal scorer every <laughs> single Saturday. Anyway, Grimsby are our best on quest uh, and they are the team that you should be watching every Saturday night on quest. But... Uh, I want to talk about this side because I am looking forward to seeing them, uh, especially Matty Pollock, who I'm hoping is going to get more minutes this year. George Williams, who we always talk about every season because this is a young player who came through at Fulham, who was in the Wales squad uh, at Euro 2016, who 
in you know in Welsh football has always been considered a huge talent, but has just had such a tough time with injuries. He had a spell at Forest Green not that long ago where he got a, a run of games and looked pretty tidy. And I just think like you shouldn't write players off especially young players, just because they've been injured and they've had a really tough time with injuries. Sometimes that means they are injury prone and their bodies can't handle you know, being a professional footballer or a professional sportsman for a long career. But sometimes they've just got unlucky and sometimes they can start fulfilling their potential. So I'm hoping that this is the year for George Williams. The energy and positivity that uh, Ian Holloway brought last season will definitely remain. But I know that Grimsby, like so many teams, are really... Are, are trying to be very careful and finding things quite difficult financially. Uh, I don't think, therefore, that Holloway's been able to build a really impressive squad. Uh, I know they're going to be exciting, but I think they're 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 a bit light in a few areas, especially in the centre of the park at the moment. Will James Hansen and Matt Green score a ton of goals? I mean, they're both kind of recognisable names at this level. They might might be a little bit past it. Uh, it remains to be seen, but they're, they're going to be my favourite team to watch, basically. Grimsby, 13th, best on quest. At 12th and 11th, George, talk me through them, because it's fair to say these are two sides, and this is these are quite bold predictions, given where a lot of people think these two teams will finish. Thank you very much. Uh, last year in League 2, I had one dark horse I thought would surprise people, and it was Cheltenham. This year, I've got two, and they are in our predictions, 12th and 11th. In 12th, it's Oldham. Um, I think probably Oldham fans listening to this have been wondering when their name is going to pop up, given they are amongst the favourites for relegation. But there are clearly issues with the with the ownership and the owner remains the owner. So those are not over yet. But it feels to me like, to an extent, Oldham have got their stuff together um, this summer. They've appointed Harry Kuehl. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Kuehl is some managerial genius. Um, I think he's proven at Crawley he's he's not a shambles he's not a um you know he's a capable manager it's easy to forget given the um regard he's held in now by Crawley fans that they didn't want to lose him um and the reason why the relationship fell apart was because he jumped shipped Notts County uh his time at Notts County was not a successful one um but worth also remembering that a fair few managers went through the doors um at Notts County during that period before their relegation as well um so I'm not going to hold that against him the recruitment in previous seasons has definitely felt like it's been done by an agent rather than a recruitment a recruitment team. That's changed. And I think there's loads to like in the players they brought in uh, this summer. Uh, Bobby Grant was, of course, a really good player for Fleetwood a couple of seasons ago. Conor McElhaney is a player that I really like. I know he hasn't done it necessarily for Fleetwood, but he's a player that I know well enough to, to think that he can, with a run of games, be uh, a decent asset to have and a goal scorer at League Two level. Cedo uh, John Batty is down the right-hand side, a fullback who I've seen a lot of in the past, maybe not um, in his best years now, but still a good player. Uh, Pierre Gianni from Salford, a big centre-back, somebody who knows what it takes at this level from last season and a solid signing as well. So it just feels like they've added a lot of League Two, kind of proven League Two quality in basically every position. And they've got a fair bit of... Um, you know, a, a fair bit of depth as well. Uh, I can assure the listeners that I, I sent Ali my um, positive Oldham prediction before they beat Carlisle 3-0 yesterday. So this isn't knee-jerk, but the team I have above them is Carlisle in 11th. And it, I don't normally like being positive about sides where the manager remains a bit of a mystery. Um, I know that Chris Beach was manager there for 23 games last season, and generally, they did pretty well. They only lost seven of those games. So um, he proved in that short amount of time that he's certainly capable, um, even though it's his first managerial role. And they have done a lot of business. Um, you just love a transfer, don't you? Because Oldham, whole new team. Carlisle, whole new team. I think when, You're just all in. But when you've been underperforming to that extent, I mean, with, with Oldham, it's been, I think the players they've cleared out have clearly not been at the level needed and the, the the and the players are brought in are better. With Carlisle, it feels to me like a similar story. They have been underperforming for a couple of years. They managed to clear out the Deadwood and they the recruitment has been done in a certain process that strikes me as being kind of not shrewd, but just measured and understanding that players have a resale value, bringing in players at a time of their career where if they're successful, they can sell them on. Um and maybe it's a bit of a reach to expect Beach to be to be um, 
the manager take them on. But it's not a massive jump. You know, this is an 11th place prediction. We're not predicting them to suddenly go and storm the league. Uh, and there's enough players in there. You mentioned Farman, who's a loss from Stevenage, um, who is a very capable goalkeeper at this level. Um, Brendan Dickinson, another one from Exeter, who's certainly got the qualities to be to be decent. Joe Riley, who's coming from Bradford, um, should be, you know, an improvement of what they've already got. It just it just seems, I think this summer is the beginning of something of, of you know a period of better times for for Carlisle, and I'm anticipating them being much more um, positive going into the season. It's funny, Oldham came 19th last year, Carlisle 18th got them 12th and 11th this year so you know a leap of seven places each I think it's fair to say and understandably um, when you both do your own separate research and then you both come up with a 1 to 24 there are there are teams and there are teams that I predicted to do well that you don't agree with uh, and those those are the, probably the big two across all three divisions for me um, I, I, I but I'm but it, it kind of interests me about what you've seen and now I, I'm certainly interested to see how Oldham and Carlisle go my gut had them down more like where they were last season in the 19th, 18th zone. I'm certainly suspicious that, you know, Oldham is, is not necessarily anything other than uh, ca- quite chaotic right now. But I'm looking forward to seeing how they go. And I dare say, you know, to be fair to you, in the past, a lot of your bold predictions, you've got a decent success rate. So I'm, <laughs> I reckon one of these two will be good. I just don't really know which. Uh, in 10th, we've got Bradford, Bradford City. Uh, Stuart McCall back in charge for the 393rd spell. Um, and last season, they'd obviously come down from League One. Uh, all was not well. They did make a lot of changes, but it didn't make a huge difference. They were one of those teams, dare I say it, a bit like an Ipswich in League One, who it looked like they had quite a good team, and they picked up some good results, but you just you were never convinced watching them, and you never felt like all was well there, and you never felt like that they were ready, really, to challenge it, uh, towards the top end. And, and I and I say with sadness that I don't think they are yet ready to, to challenge at the top end. Uh, I don't necessarily know what to think about McCall as a manager, because even in Bradford terms, he's had some really impressive spells and some tough spells. He's obviously someone that's so synonymous with the club, and I guess those relationships have to be a good thing. I know he's so popular there. So the atmosphere around the place should be improved this season. But I don't... I don't think there's a huge amount to love about the team. I must admit, I, I, I think that in, in their at the defensive end they've got some decent personnel. I really like the left back Wood, who I think is an excellent player, Connor Wood, uh, and I was thrilled to see they managed to get Callum Cook back in because uh, he'd been so good for them last season on loan. So you know, there's a few positive signs, but certainly I don't see a huge amount of exciting attacking options. Um, they've got Guthrie. Donaldson, Novak, um, are you going to coax some goals out of that lot? Maybe some, um, but I'm, I'm just not all in on Bradford. So, you know, they were ninth last season. We've got them 10th this year. Not too far outside the playoffs, but I don't think that they're going to be quite good enough to make the playoffs, partly because all the teams we've got ahead of them uh, we think are going to be quite good. George, in ninth, team that finished 21st last season, Mansfield Town. Yeah. In the Big same leap, way. That, well, this it? is yeah, but this is the <laughs> same thing as what you were saying. Where I had Mansfield a fair bit lower than this, and you had them a fair bit higher. <laughs> um, yeah, they're possibly the hardest one to wrap your head around this season. Um, they're third favourites for the league, which I find absolutely staggering. They finished twenty first last season, not because of any. Um, Thing except for their own performances. They were a poor side under John Dempster. Graham Coughlin came in and they didn't improve a jot. Now, we can't judge him on that alone. It's, it's very difficult to come into an underperforming side and just change the um, you know, change the whole fortunes of the club immediately, although we do see it fairly often. But he lost eight of the 16 games he took charge of at Mansfield. Um, I do think that Maris and Clark coming in give them a nice balance in midfield and they have... They're absolutely stacked um, up top. Yeah. Um, to an extent where I'm not even sure. I mean, uh, Dandy Cook, Danny Rose, Nicky Maynard, Jamie Reid, who scored tons for Torquay, and Jordan Barry as well, who they've brought in. And it's hard to imagine where he gets any minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I feel like they're going to have to play because they have no 
quality out wide. They don't really it's, have it's much. It's going to be three five two. That's that's basically a given. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be pretty physical and direct as well, which might suit them. Uh, they have added some some nice players. I know you're a fan of George Maris, but look, they've lost C J Hamilton. Um, they've lost someone like um, Christian Pierce, who's such a big part of a team who over the last few years we've seen at the top end of the table and at the bottom end of the table so it is a bit of a it's a reset of sorts isn't it I, I just can't I can't work out a reason why they go from 21st to challenging it, just, it doesn't seem to be any tangible reason and again not focusing too much on the Carabao Cup stuff but they lost 4-0 to Preston no shame in that but watching but watching the manager's interview afterwards was more telling than the result where he was just he literally said he was like we were way off it we are way off it um, we we are not performing at an acceptable level, and that is an issue when the season starts in in, in a week's time. So, um, I think if they are going to get up there, it's going to need something to click very very quickly indeed. And ninth, I think in my head at least, is a fairly rosy outlook on how their season might play out. Next up in eighth position is what I would call our strongest stance across uh, this division and it's something that we both fully agreed on and it's something that will because it is bold will make us look either very stupid or very 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 clever clever. (laughs) very clever indeed Uh, we've got Bolton Wanderers in eighth uh, not quite making the playoffs Uh, and I mean where to start with this one why is it a bold prediction first and foremost if people don't look at the betting markets or haven't haven't been keeping across league two in pre-season you'll have missed that Bolton are a uh, very short price favourite to win the division, uh, to be promoted from League Two. Uh, they have bought a whole new team because last season in League One clearly was disastrous. They 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 didn't start, did they? They started with that team of youth team players. They had to buy a whole team of freebies just on deadline day in, in order to have a, a you know a non youth side essentially. Uh, and it was you know it was a season where you know you can't really blame anyone. It was just a, a lost season. And they drop down to League Two. Um, th- th- I think that the capture of Owen Doyle and Anthony Sarsovic are good signings. But I think that because those two were some of the key players in the division last season, those two names alone really just got everyone really excited. The rest of their recruitment and the side that they have built, you know, if I'm trying to work out what their first eleven will be this season, I'm definitely not looking at that and thinking... That's an insanely good League Two squad. And that seems to be why they're so well fancied. People seem to think that they have put together an incredible squad. And both of us looked at it probably expecting to be like, wow, this is awesome. And both of us went, hold on, I'm not buying fully into this. I can't buy into this. They seem to have been priced up on a couple of big signings and Bolton. Oh, Andy and Everett. Andy that, and That's a big part of Andy this. And so we should talk about that. Andy and Everett, who, who comes into the job with a massive reputation on the back of what he did at Barrow. But this is difficult. I mean, he's taking over a club who have been on such a downward spiral because of off-field issues, of course. But it's not easy to arrest that slide. I mean, doing so in itself will be an impressive thing for him to do. Yesterday, they had 11 debutants starting. I mean, this is a massive job. And to expect him to come into a club who have been you know, effectively gutted over the course of, of two years bring in a whole new squad and get them playing football effective enough to, to win a division or to get promoted from a division is really tough. I mean, I, I, I feel like for his sake, he should be given an opportunity to build something. And, and looking through the signings below the ones you mentioned, the likes of you know, George Taft or Nathan Delfonso or Alex Baptiste, Andrew Tutt, Sean Miller, these are like fine players. You know, if you're looking at the, the, the teams that we have towards the top, I'm not going to mention now, the calibre of player that they are bringing in to challenge at the top end of this season, this season are better than those players. So it just seems lazy to think that Bolton and Ian Everett are going to suddenly come together and create a winning machine. And just to add to that, Owen Doyle is, of course, a brilliant goal scorer at this level. He does not create chances. He needs to be playing in a side who are effective at giving him the ball in front of goal. As we've boy, seen in the past. Last exactly. And boy, did he not have that when he went back to Bradford for a couple of games and basically didn't have a shot. So it's it's not as easy. It's such a cliche in EFL football to say, or just in football to say, this player guarantees you goals. Doyle does not do that unless you are giving him the, the goals and opportunities to do so. And we're yet to see any 
evident that that will or won't be the case. And from a team that has just changed everything, manager, whole squad, to a team that probably has some of the best consistency and momentum, dare I say Wow. It, from last season, the team who finished just outside the playoffs, we reckon they'll make it in this year in, in Port Vale. Yeah, just I've written quietly progressive under yeah. ASCII. I've and, written and everything pointing in the right direction. There we go. <laughs> Basically the same thing. They just missed out on the playoffs last season because of PPG. They were one um, position off. Uh, a bit of a concern would be their reliance on, on David Worrell for attacking um, and kind of creativity output. I think he got 13 assists last season. Rumours which... they might be bringing in Harry McCurdy, who uh, could be quite lively in that regard. But that, that's clearly the biggest red flag, isn't it? Because defensively, they're excellent. Their home uh, record's brilliant. Off the field, they are one of the prime examples of a well-run and, and uh, a community club at the moment with such a good atmosphere. Uh, everything's kind of pointing in the right direction, as as we've said. So very positive for yeah, Vale. And, and they, they lacked goals last season, but Theo Robinson comes in, somebody who maybe hasn't been blessed by having, you know, the, the guaranteed number nine shirt mm. at a club for a whole season for a long time. Well, he might not be here as well because they've still got Pope and they've got Cullen. Mm. Actually, goal scorers, impressive. Creators, maybe that's where they fall down a little bit. We've got Walsall just ahead of them. This is a leap of eight places from last season. A lot of people quite sweet on Walsall this season. I think Daryl Clark plays a big role in that. We think that he's a very good manager at this level and we have seen him manage a side in Bristol Rovers who were by no means one of the teams with large resources at this level but who under Clark um, became a team that excelled and won a lot of football matches and especially tended to get very strong as the season went on. Walsall did not cope that well with relegation as so many teams did last season. They found it really tough to start with and Clark was, I dare say, fighting against a a lot of things, including a relegation hangover. By the end of the season, it felt like he had settled everything down and had found his team, had found his system and had kind of started to build this side in his image. So by having them in the playoffs, I think we are backing Daryl Clark to an extent and also recognising that towards the end of last season, they settled down and it looked like they were ready um, to, 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 to move upwards and to challenge towards the top end. They've got a few players that I'm excited about. Rory Holden, who comes in from Bristol City. They're another team who probably lack creativity. And that might be why for them and Vale... They might even be a little bit lower than, than than what we may have thought. And it is that creativity potentially holding them back. But maybe in this division, we'll see. We think it might be quite a low-scoring league this year. Maybe that won't matter as much. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Alfie Bates, a youngster, pulling the strings at the base of midfield. Uh, and Adebayo as well, the striker. He is like the darling of all the data lads who look at League Two and look at strikers. He, he hasn't got an incredible amount of minutes under his belt, but when he plays, he does the right sort of things that flag him up to some very smart people that we like to follow. So I'm keeping an eye on Adebayo to score goals this season. Um, Walsall we got coming sixth. Settled and ready is my, my main takeaway from that. Uh, what about fifth place, George? Well, yeah, I said at the top of the show that we thought pragmatism could be the way to go and and Matt Taylor Exeter have a very pragmatic manager who over the last couple of years has proven himself to be an exciting coach at this level somebody who who took them to the playoffs two seasons in a row and just tweaks to the squad is all we're we're really seeing Um, you know McArdle's come in to replace Aaron Martin which I think we can both agree is probably an upgrade um, I don't know what I think about McCard all these days. He's been part of so many different teams, successful and unsuccessful over the last few years, that I do slightly worry that his legs might have gone. But yeah, look, they've replaced, they've got rid of a few experienced players yeah. who kind of failed again in the playoffs and they've replaced them with a few other, you know, Caprice, who's won the playoffs with Tramir, McCardle, as you say. Yeah, and then crucially, the most important too, I mean, Bowman stays. I think we probably all expect that given the age he is. He's not really one who's going to be being bought for a few quid. But then Randall Williams is still at the club as well. Nicky Law still there. And yeah, but again, and the same way as Bowman, I think they're the kind of guys you expect to stick around. Whereas Williams has a clear path further up the divisions, I think, um, probably sooner rather than later. And it is only the beginning of September and the transfer line, sorry, the transfer window is open for another five or so weeks. So there's every chance he could leave, but we have to judge them on their merits at the moment. And Williams played yesterday and is part of the squad. So there's basically just lots to like, given their successes in previous years. Um, It's very hard to find any negatives in terms of what they've done over the summer. So there doesn't seem to be any reason why they would uh, regress in any shape. Uh, In fourth, 
aside who we are expecting to come on leaps and bounds mm. at least you are Ali yeah I'm very hot on Forest Green this year it feels like a bit of it does feel like a bit of a punt and it feels like a little bit of a of a gut instinct this but the financial muscle that they have a bit like Mansfield means that I think if they do things properly just just by the nature of the players that they can bring in they should always be challenging for the playoffs or above at the moment so for Mansfield who I'm much higher on the new and for Forest Green who I'm much higher on the new maybe I'm missing something but but I think poor seasons uh, admittedly I think they can be put behind them and I think they've got the the minerals certainly in the playing squad to be a really impressive side at this level where they just struggled for consistency last year and they went on some really terrible runs they are so hard to predict and I think a problem is Mark Cooper who's been in charge for a while now and seems to have tried a few different systems and styles he's he's there's been plenty of churn and turnover in the squad he's been well backed by the chairman Dale Vince and it hasn't quite worked. So, you know, as I'm talking, this sounds like a negative. And I suppose I would believe that Forest Green's squad could be right up there. And I might, and, and it is probably my biggest worry as to how good Mark Cooper is. But he is very experienced. And maybe I'm doing him a bit of a disservice to, to disparage him. It's a league with a lot of rookie managers. I, I, I'm not seeing tons of standout managers. We, we had three really impressive young managers finish in the top three last season. Um, and, and probably a smaller amount that I'd expect to be, you know, really stand out this year. So maybe Cooper being an issue is less of an issue than it was last year. What, why I like them is I just think they've got an excellent squad, not just starting 11, but just some fantastic players that I expect to have developed and, and, and got better. As we record, Ebu Adams is still there. I can't believe that. I think he's one of the best players in the league. I still think Aaron Collins can do well. He didn't have a good season last year. They brought in Jamil Matt, who'll give them definitely a bit more presence up top that they were they were massively lacking last season. Um, and while they've lost a few key men, certainly Mills and Shepard, the wingbacks, uh, if you look at some of the names they've brought in, Scott Wagstaff, Elliot Whitehouse, Jordan Moore-Taylor, uh, Cadden, who looks really tricky, the wingback, or at least I think he'll play wingback, uh, I think they're well set. So I just have a feeling that strength of squad for Forest Green is going to have them towards the top end, but we've got them just outside the automatics. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that I wrote in my notes, if it wasn't for Cooper, I could see them challenging for the title. So that shows what kind of regard I hold him in. Yeah, it's just uh, funny talking about a team that we've got coming forth, isn't it? And you and we're kind of focusing on negatives. Yeah, of course. No, no, I mean, absolutely. But then you are right about the squads and... Um, I kind of trust the process quite of often, the club. As I, well. I know what you mean, but, but quite often with these predictions, you get scuppered by a managerial casualty. And it's worth remembering that Forest Green lost their last five games at home at the back end of last season. They're on a terrible run of form. If they don't start well, you could see him being one of the first to go, and that might, in the long term, be quite a good thing for, yeah. for what's going on there. So, one man who certainly won't be sacked, probably ever, but <laughs> who may well be poached. You never know. If he's sacked, I will hire him. You love Mike Duff, the Duffman. Got Cheltenham automatically promoted in third here. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, they have a hell of a thing to bounce back from because I wouldn't be surprised if they're still shell shocked after being Northampton, being absolutely uh, cobbled <laughs> in the second uh, leg of the semi-final. But just good business again, isn't it? I mean, they lose Broom, which is going to be... Uh, Ryan Broom is a hard player to replace in terms of creative output. Luke Varney moves on, which I'm not too fussed about, given they're bringing in Andy Williams, who I like in that position, in that role I think, to play. I think some low knees heading back, Doyle Hayes especially. Might Definitely, but I was going to say... But you wouldn't be surprised if they get a few, well, you know, they, a few I mean, more in. They've got some in already. Um, Finnazaz from West Brom, um, Elliot Bonds has come in from, from uh, Hull as well. Matty Blair, an experienced player in the middle of the park from Doncaster, and, and Liam Serkin, a player I know very well, who I know will be good at League Two level, certainly. Um, it just feels like a bit of a tweak, a bit of an upgrade here or there, not the wholesale changes. And Duff's record with Loney's, as you mentioned last season, was so good that you can anticipate another couple coming in. Um, it just feels like as long as he's there. I mean, that that result and that performance in the playoffs was so at odds with everything we saw from them last <laughs> yeah. season. Um, so anybody who just saw that of, the, of their campaign, that's not normally the way that they play, the way they defend. Um, well, I think the one, the only thing I'm going to add from what you've said is it's the same back five. Mm. You know, they've got a new keeper in who had an impressive debut, the youngster on loan from West Brom. Um, but that back five was the best defence in the EFL last season. It's the same group. I think we can, at the very least, expect them to be 
very, very solid defensively again. Uh, and Alfie May, of course, who had such a good goal-scoring record when he joined in January, gets a, gets a full shot, a full campaign here, and I'm expecting quite big things. I think the last thing to say is we think Mike Duff could be, slash is, the best manager in the division. Very possibly. And yeah. we think that can take a team a very long way. Higher ceiling, yeah. I would say. So, second place, Tramir Rovers. I want you to talk me through this. You're certainly more bullish on what will be an angry and motivated Tramir Rovers after being relegated on points per game from League One. You are predicting that to take them quite a long way and for them to bounce straight back up again. Yeah, I think you have to take that into consideration here. I think normally amateur psychology isn't going to get you too far making predictions, but... You know, we saw with Wigan last season in the Championship just what a feeling of being wronged can do to a side. And this whole club, this whole community feels like it is in this division totally unfairly. Whether you agree with that or not is totally irrelevant. Whether I agree with that or not is irrelevant. Um, and they have, I mean, they no longer have Mickey Mellon in charge, which you have to say is not a positive given that he took, took them on two promotions. Um, having said that, I have never been much of an ad, you know an, an advocate of the idea that he in the same way we spoke about other managers being so important to the progression I'm not necessarily sure that's true with Mellon uh, we know nothing about Mike Jackson so I'm not going to pretend that I do but the the signings have been good I would say I think Jay Spearing is an inspired one from Blackpool he's he's still a very good player um, I know that his you know the, the journey down the leagues has been a pretty rapid one but I think at League 2 he's certainly got the engine and the technical ability to be very good Lewis I mentioned who was a, a you know a big loss from Cambridge I think is another shrewd acquisition Otis Khan one of the players who came to Mansfield with such promise and then was part of that desperate team last season um, certainly has the creative output to be a, a force at this level it just feels like they've added pretty shrewdly um, and are kind of having a bit of a go at it uh, as well um, I think Vaughan who came into the, the club halfway through last season uh, and got a few goals you know it's, it's easy to forget that he scored 11 goals last season for Bradford you know he's still a very good goal scorer at that level um, I think they probably need one or two more but it looks to me like they're building a decent side they have a big point to prove um, and that will carry them some way um, I think a motivated Corey Blackett Taylor could be very special at this level. Um, and you know, I've always been a, a fan of big Manny Mont as well at the back. Despite uh, his penalty yesterday. <laughs> yeah, despite his penalty yesterday. They've certainly got some strong defenders, some strong midfielders, leaders as well uh, in that midfield area, spearing pace and skill up top. Um, I, I probably don't like them as much as you, um, but I certainly see where you're coming from. And as you say, that... The, psycholo the psychology side of things points to them being exceptionally well-motivated this year, I think it's fair to say. Um, in first, we've got Salford City. Now, Salford City came 10th last season. They were the pre-season favourites, and it's fair to say we weren't having any of that last season. We did not see them being right up there. And it was a weird season, wasn't it, G given they were the pre-season favourites. They didn't start particularly well, and they were always a mid-table side. It felt like the first half of the season... It was almost like the strategy was just to test, you know, dip their toe into the League Two water and see see how it felt, and not really worry too much about results or bringing players in. And then in January, they made some really eye-catching signings. I think they plucked three or four players from League One. Clearly, there's incentive, financial incentive, for these players to join Salford and become part of this project, which for us is only going in one direction. And um, whatever you think of of the way that they're going about things, um, Ash Hunter. And Bruno Andrade, we would say, are perfectly good League One wingers. Uh, they're down in, in League Two now. Their options up top are pretty crazy. With Ian Henderson joining, who just has scored tons of goals in League One for the last five, six, seven, eight seasons for, for Rochdale. Tom Elliott as the target man. They've got James Wilson as well. And there's definitely players that I'm missing. I mean, last summer, Richie Towell was the big name signing, but he really was the only one. This year, there's loads. Um, Turnbull, who was at the heart of Northampton's defence when they won promotion. Jason Lowe brings leadership and, and, and calmness in midfield. Um, and, and Ladkey, the goalkeeper, is the one I'm most excited about. Had a smashing debut, man of the match in the Carabao Cup came from St Mirren where basically he was considered one of the best goalkeepers in Scottish football like the reaction of Scottish football fans at him joining a League 2 club was crazy again clearly there's a lot that Salford can offer players and Ladkey 
to all intents and purposes, I think he's going to be completely out of place as a League Two goalkeeper. So it's all good stuff, really. And and, and the one thing that we said to each other was, we're worryingly optimistic about the squad. So is there a problem with the manager? That would be the only sort of potential issue for us. And the answer is no, not really. Yeah, definitely not. I think Graham Alexander is still a, as, as savvy as they get at this level. And um, he wouldn't be managing many League Two clubs. And the ambition of Salford is clear to see. Uh, they have such depth in every area which this season is going to be important um, I was a week ago very willing to to take them on I kind of didn't hadn't done my research basically um, <laughs> and I looked into it more and it's just hard to find a, a chink in their armour um, so I, I think what I've seen and I kind of understand is creativity from the mm. centre of the park you know um, that they look like they'll be playing four four two probably quite direct, lean on those wide players. But actually, when you've got the individual quality that they have, I think that really does take you quite a long way. And there's a financial muscle that means if they are there or thereabouts in January, you know that there's the ability to strengthen further. It, it doesn't feel like a strong league this year, I wouldn't necessarily say. It doesn't feel like there is necessarily a standout, clear and obvious winner. But if there is one, it does feel like Salford. If there is going to be a team who just proved to be too good too much strength and depth with too many quality players uh, who can blitz the others. It does feel like Salford would be the ones. Here we go. 24th Scunthorpe. And from there, we've got Southend in 23rd. 22nd Stevenage. 21st Barrow. 20th Morecambe. 19th Crawley. 18th Harrogate Town. 17th Leighton Orient. 16th Cambridge United. 15th Newport County. 14th Colchester. 13th Grimsby. 12th Oldham. 11th Carlisle, 10th Bradford, 9th Mansfield, 8th Bolton. In the playoffs, we've got Port Vale, Walsall, Exeter and Forest Green. And in the top three, we've got Cheltenham Town, Tranmere Rovers and Salford City. George, we've been really grateful for the support of EFL on Quest, not only for handing you your Saturday Night Highlights debut last night, but also for... Uh, being a partner of ours for these 1-24 to predictions. Just remind, not me, because I know, just remind the listeners what they need to be doing on a Saturday night at 9pm. You need to get Quest on the TV. You'll see Colin Murray with expert guests that might well be Ali Maxwell, might even be me, but certainly be uh, an ex-pro. And it's on Freeview, Channel 12, FreeSat 167, Sky, Channel 144, Virgin, Channel 169. And if you know, every couple of months, unlike me or Ali, you have plans on a Saturday evening, which, you know, is pretty rare. Then make sure on a Sunday morning or whenever you want, you can download the Dplay app or just type Dplay into your browser and you can watch the episode there on repeat. So no excuse to miss it. It is a brilliant, brilliant show. All the highlights you need and some analysis too. It really is great. Yeah, really looking forward to being a part of the team this season on Quest. The only other thing I'd say is... It's very hard to do this these days, but purposefully not finding out the scores and then watching the Quest Highlights show at 9pm is a hell of a roller coaster. I did it once last season. It was normally, obviously, I'm, I've got to be across it all on Saturday afternoon. But I had one weekend away last year where I purposefully avoided the scores, which was quite difficult because you send me a lot of messages on Saturday afternoons. But actually watching the, watching the Quest Highlights back, not knowing the scores, it was... It was Actually quite a disconcerting, but an excellent viewing experience. Uh, and maybe that's one for, for you guys listening to this uh, over the next few weeks and months. Give that a go. Uh, thank you to EFL on Quest for partnering with us for these podcasts. We hope that you'll listen to the League One and the Championship 1-24 to episodes. Wherever you found this one, they won't be far away. So tune into those.